We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Well, welcome back, everybody. Hello to another conversation here with Dan. That was a botched intro. I don't know. We'll we'll roll with it. It's okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Conversations with Jed and Dan. Just proves in case someone actually thought it that I'm not perfect. I never thought it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we've had a lot of good conversation off our last couple videos. Uh, It's been fun to interact with a lot of you out there uh, with the various comments and follow-ups. And so we're going to continue down this line. One common theme that we heard back a lot after our previous video, which was on instrumental music, and kind of how you look at a whole Bible approach to this, they, the thought and the process of looking at ourselves as the modern temple kept coming up. Basically because if you are a believer in Christ and you've been baptized, you believe that you now have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so thus, aren't, am I not a modern temple? Uh, kind of another direction that took at it was... Is it something that we have to wait till, you know, the book of Revelation sort of thing, when I'm going to come back to God? Is that the moment that I become able to interact with this whole temple worship sort of thing again? So are you saying, you didn't ever mention instrumental music. Are you saying that because we're the temple that we should maybe be able to, the question, use instrumental music? Yeah, I'm going to lower my arm here. Okay, all right. Yeah, if we're the modern temple, if we have the Spirit of God within us and all those different things, shouldn't we be able to fall under the rules and regulations of temple worship? Okay. Under that line of thought. All right, the short answer is no, but let's let's look at it. Yeah. in in the Hebrew Bible, the what we call the Old Testament, there mm-hmm. there is um, a lot about the temple as we've already discussed, but there's also a great deal about the symbolic nature of the temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, in the book of Ezekiel, in um, this was in the captivity period when the temple had been destroyed, mm-hmm. yep. and uh, in Ezekiel chapter forty, there mm-hmm. is this vision of. Um, this guy that comes and he starts measuring the temple. Okay. And it's like he takes a a uh, measuring rod and he just starts measuring everything. And it makes you want to hurt yourself to read Ezekiel 40, 41, 42 <laughs> because he just keeps measuring stuff. And you got, you know. There's lots of measurements so, just in a quick glance here. So yeah. what it's about in the book of Ezekiel is a new temple that is is approved by God, measured by God, and mm-hmm. and it's really a spiritual thing because when you get all the way to the end of chapter 42, if you can make it that far in reading, in chapter 42, verse 20, he tells you why this guy's doing all the measuring. Okay. Read for us there, please, sir. All right. Which verse? 42, 20. 
4220. He measured it on the four sides. It had a wall around it 500 cubits long and 500 cubits broad to make a separation between the holy and the common. All right, and if you if you had read Ezekiel and you go back to chapters 8 through 10, which we're not going to spend a lot of time with, the, the temple was full of corruption and idolatry mm. and sin and all these different things. Yeah. And the idea here is now God someday wants a new temple and it's going to be holy and all the common and unclean things are going to be separated from it. Okay. All right. And, and if you continue to read the rest of Ezekiel, which most people don't, it describes not only a new temple, but it describes a new Jerusalem. And we've talked about that in some of our other that we have. Uh, videos. And if you get to the very end of um, Ezekiel 48, okay. and if you'll read the last verse of that, it's talking okay. about the, the new Jerusalem in which is the new temple. Mm. Go ahead. It says, the circumference of that city shall be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from that time on shall be, the Lord is there. Or, more literally, Yahweh is there. Yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, mine has the big capital letters. Yeah, so what, we really, so what we really have here is a, is a spiritualized view of a new and holy and cleansed temple and a new and holy and perfect Jerusalem where God can really live there without feeling like he's in the wrong place, like mm. he did in Jerusalem. Yeah. All right, so then we've talked before about the idea of a new Jerusalem and, a, and God being the temple in the city and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. When you come to the New Testament, as we talked about um, last time, um, in, in New Testament theology of the church, mm-hmm. uh, we're told that we, as the people of God, are a temple. Let's let's look at a yeah. couple of passages. Yep. Let's look at Ephesians two nineteen through the end. And if you'll read right. that, Ephesians, Ephesians two, two starting in nineteen. Nineteen. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. All right, so all of us are built on the spiritual foundation of the apostles and prophets and their revelation. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the center of that foundation, and we're all living stones, as it were, and we're all a spiritual temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells. Another one, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read verse 16 and 17, and there he's talking to a divided Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 3 verses 16. Well, actually, let's start with verse 10 and 11. Read 10 and 11 there. Okay. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. All right, so in this illustration, we're, we're God's building, God's temple. Mm-hmm. The foundation is Christ. Each person that evangelizes and brings people into the body of Christ is building on to that temple. Okay. Drop down to 16 and 17 where Paul okay. makes his point. So do you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. All right. So the people of God collectively 
mm-hmm. are the temple of God. We're not a physical building. We are living stones. We mm-hmm. are a spiritual building. Go to 1 Peter 2. Okay. And we're going to read verse 4 and 5. 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. Yeah. Says, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. All right. So this idea of a spiritual temple mm-hmm. is extended to the idea of spiritual sacrifices. Mm. We're not offering animals. We're not cutting throats and spilling blood. Mm-hmm. We're not tweaking away on instruments. We're not offering incense. We're not we're not doing all the carnal physical things that they were doing. We're offering spiritual sacrifices just like it's a spiritual temple. We can't see the outline of the mm. temple with our eyes, right. you know. We understand that collectively the Spirit of God dwells in us. We are His temple. Uh, Hebrews is another book that is mm-hmm. very much about the spiritualization of yeah. these things. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, puts this in, in uh, uh, I guess, in perspective for us. Read there just a little okay. bit. For since the law was but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. All right, so the law and all of the the stipulations about Levitical worship, the priests, the family of Aaron, the sacrifices, the literal temple, the literal incense, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. it was a shadow yeah. See, that is a spiritual concept. It's almost a Platonic, meaning Plato's philosophy concept, mm-hmm. that the shadow represents the more spiritual reality. Right. See, the shadow was these all of these literal things in Levitical worship. Mm. The spiritual reality is the good things to come, which is part of the Messianic age. That's us. Yeah. See, but if you go down to chapter 13, verse 15, like we did last time. Yeah. Uh, Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. All right. So so we're offering up sacrifices, but it's the fruit of our lips. Right. It's not the sacrifices of the animals, the the music, all this other stuff. It's it's a spiritual sacrifice of our heart, our Mm -hmm. mind, our lips. Now, the the rest of the person's question to anticipate where you're about to try to send me is uh-huh. <laughs> uh, they, they brought up the book of Revelation. Yeah. Now, in Hebrews even, the, the current temple, if, if you will, in, in New Testament theology is God's church. Right. That God's church is the people a... People worldwide. Yes, it's God's people worldwide. And it is an anticipation of the final and true temple when we get to heaven, mm. okay? And, for example, in, in chapter 8, and you said 15 minutes, so I'm trying to hurry here. In Hebrews 8, okay, and about verse, uh, well, read about first verse and go a little ways, and okay. I'll tell you when we get there. Uh, now the point in what we are saying is this, that we have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, for in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. All right, see, there's a true tent, mm-hmm. 
and he's ministering in it, and the Lord set it up, and he's talking about the temple in heaven. Mm. Uh, go over to well, just there, verse 5. Yeah, I was going to say verse 5. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. Go, yeah, go over to, yeah, which is in heaven. Now go over yeah. to chapter 9, verse 11. Okay. Verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. That's good. Yeah, he entered once for all into the holy places. Now go over into verse 23 in chapter 9. Okay. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. All right, so Christ is a real priest that is really appearing before God in the real temple, which is heaven, mm. see? In heaven, there's a real throne of God, not the Ark of the Covenant, which was a representation of the throne of God. Yeah. In heaven, there is the Holy Spirit's presence, not the symbolic representation of that with the seven golden lampstands. In in heaven, there is you know all of these other things that are, as, if I understand this correct, are actual things, but they're the real things, which these earthly things mm. were patterned after. Okay. When you come to Revelation chapter 5, for example, All right. and you go down here to verse 8 and 9, 8, I guess, verse 8. All right. And when he had taken the scrolls, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. All right, notice the last part of that. Which are the, the prayers, prayers of the saints? Mm-hmm. All right, so if you remember our previous discussion about Levitical worship, mm-hmm. where the Levites had the harps and the lyres and the priests blew the trumpets and offered the incense right. and all this kind of stuff. You see temple imagery in this, Mm -hmm. but he says, which are the prayers of the saints. So the real incense that's coming up to God are the prayers of the saints. It's hard to wrap our head around that. Yes, because it's verbal and imagery and spiritual. It's all tied in together. But the book of Revelation is pulling all of this from the Old Testament... Mm. See, and and the book of Hebrews tells us that we are in a state where we're we're in Christ and we're in the messianic age, but we're citizens in heaven and the true temple is in heaven. Mm-hmm. So you might say that in the stages of the temple, we have the Old Testament stage. Right. We have the current stage where we, the people of God, are the dwelling place of God, offering up spiritual worship. And then we have heaven that is described in terms of the true temple. Hmm. Um, Go to one more real quick, and then I'm sure we'll have more questions from people. (laughs) This is really a deep subject if you want to really get into it. Um, In Revelation chapter 3, excuse me, Revelation 8, I'm sorry, and verse 3, we're we're looking at angels even as being the priests of Israel. Of heaven, Christ being the high priest. Yeah. And if you look at verse 3 through 4, 3 okay. and 4. 
And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the right hand from the hand of the angel. All right, even this altar. This altar has to be the altar of incense, mm-hmm. which we had in the in the tabernacle or the temple right in front of the veil, right in front yeah. of the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. And the priest used to actually offer actual incense on that altar, and it would billow up over the Ark of the Covenant, you know. Yeah. And it was, here we have the same mm-hmm. imagery, and this has to be an altar of incense, and instead of priests, it's angels who are priests, and they're offering it up, but it's the prayers of the saints that yeah. are going up. So... So I guess one one clarification point, as we look at all of this and we we see all the verses and the passages that are pointing us to our current worship is a spiritualized version of something physical that's, that used that's to happen. That's the bottom line, yes. Okay. Does, just for clarification, because I know it'll probably be one of the follow-ups, does that mean that the things we do now physically don't really matter because everything is spiritualized? And so we should just worry about the spirit. We are commanded in the New Testament to do some physical things, but they're they're more intrinsic to man. Mm-hmm. We're we're commanded to sing, but we're to make melody in our hearts mm-hmm. as we sing. Um, we're to give our praise. We're to give our prayers. Um, we're to uh, we're to um, commune with God in the Lord's Supper, but. All through those things, the emphasis is mm-hmm. placed on the heart yeah. of man, the spirit of man, as he's doing those things. Yeah. There are things to do, but the apostles and Jesus left us these things. Mm-hmm. They did not leave us the elements of Levitical worship to do. Okay. See? And they emphasize simplicity and spirituality in the in the way that we do these things. That's the best way I know how to say it. Okay. Ask me something else if you want some more clarification. I think maybe the the next step on that is, and I'm blanking on the name of the philosopher, but the philosopher who basically said only the spirit mattered. Like That's Plato. Yeah, okay. So in Plato, you know, he's talking about the spirit matters. And so just sometimes when people hear these things, they go, okay, so taking care of people on this earth doesn't matter. It's purely about a spiritualized version of worship, you know. And so they almost start to pull back from... No, no, because with Jesus and the apostles, Mm -hmm. which Christ is the incarnate God, he passed the Spirit to the apostles Mm -hmm. and left them as his ambassadors. He told us to take care of the people's needs around us as we can. Mm-hmm. But the emphasis, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost, that spiritual loss. Yeah. So the the focus of the New Testament church was the souls of people. Yeah. It was the the relationship of people with God. That mm-hmm. was the focus. Yes, they were to be kind and, and caring to the people around them. That was part of who they were, but that was not the end. The yeah. end was the soul. I think maybe a good example, because we use it so so often, and it's an easy one for people to remember and grab hold of, is after Peter preaches his gospel sermon, and everyone's still there, just a short while later, they have widows who need food, and he doesn't go, 
Well, they've already got their spiritual food. They're good. No, he takes care of them. Yeah. So even as our worship is a spiritualized version of physical things in the past, that doesn't negate there are some physical things to do, whether it's the prayers, the singing, Absolutely. or even the feeding of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. But we find those things in the pages of the New Testament. Right. Okay. Well, I'd say there's probably a lot out there. Yeah. But, but bottom line is... But the fact that we are a spiritual temple does not imply that now we use Old Testament Levitical worship or mm-hmm. instruments or any of the other part of it. Yeah. You can't really take just one part of it without taking s- the rest of it. I was going to say, I think that there may be a feeling of pick and choose at that point. Like, I'm choosing the spiritual version of Jesus' sacrifice that continues, but I'm going to choose the physical version of Praise, you know, yeah. or whatever. And, and take the priestly garments. You know, they had to wear clothes, specific mm-hmm. clothes, de- defined in the Old Testament. Yeah. But as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Yeah. That's what we're clothed with. We sing a song, dressed in his righteousness alone. Yeah. Faultless to stand before the throne. Um, those are our, that's our clothing, see? And... Um, like you say, you can't just pick one aspect of Levitical worship and yeah. lose all the rest of it. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully that clarifies a couple of things or spurs on some further comments. Like I say, this this video is trying to answer about four or five various conversations that were all around. So I know that we may not have gotten to all the pieces, but maybe that gives a good piece of the core conversation hopefully that was going so. on. Yeah. But thanks again for everyone who watches and shares and comments. Uh, We hope this is useful and beneficial as we study God's Word together. Have a good one. Later. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.